If you have your Bibles, open them with me and turn to 1 Kings chapter 10. We're going to read a lot of scripture in this passage, but it's important to set the stage, okay? So 1 Kings chapter 10, and we're going to start off at verse 23. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver and gold, robes, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. <laughs> Think about that. Wow. Uh, as common in Jerusalem as stones as and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Q, Q or Q, who knows, and royal merchants purchased them from Q. They imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. They also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the Armenians. So you can say that Solomon was an importer-exporter. <laughs> um, why did I read this before I get to the, the meat of the, of the scripture here? Solomon was extremely wealthy. And not only, I mean, it, it's not even just the wealth. It, it was the wisdom. He was a very, very wise man. So wise that people would come, other kings would come just to, to glean from his wisdom and to learn from, from him. Okay? Now, chapter breaks. There are sometimes chapter breaks in the Bible that I'm like, man, why are they there? Because you could finish reading chapter 10 and then, and then not continue. And you don't get to see what really, what's really happening. Because you read about how great Solomon is and how rich he was and everybody loved him and brought him gifts and stuff like that. Let's continue. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters. Daughter, Mo Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. I'm going to stop there for a second. You have to understand, Solomon was the one that built the temple. He, <laughs> you just have to think, oh, oh, and, 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 and again, God gave him this amazing gift of, of wisdom. He was the richest man. He was the wisest man. He had everything. He could have married anyone he wanted to. But what happened? His heart was turned from the Lord because he intermarried with people that God told him not to. Verse 5. He followed 
Ashtora, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. I know, I know what you're thinking. 700 wives, most men can hardly handle one. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what, what do we see? This, this and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sticking on this point because this is extremely important. Um, <laughs> Pina. Uh, this, this is extremely important because King Solomon... There, there's this is what he did the, the lord told him do not intermarry with these women this wasn't like um you know it, it just so happened that that maybe you know he married the wrong person by not i say by accident but you know and it, it was just an unfortunate situation no god made it clear why not to intermarry because they will surely turn your your heart away from the lord and it says nevertheless Solomon held fast to them in love. So apparently he was in love with all of them. But though I agree with Lynn, I think there were more so possessions to him. Um, and, and, and what ended up happening? As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. He did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. He went from the guy who ended up building the temple. David wanted to build the temple. He wasn't able to. So he left it to his son Solomon to build. He built it. You know, and all of these things. Um, well, Sheba, I'm not sure if it was love or another L word, if we're being honest. Hey, Steph, you're here. Welcome. He, he did something that was so amazing for the Lord. And then because these women turned him against God, he the, the thing that you read about him now is, and Solomon did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Why did that happen? I'm going to tell you something here tonight, and I want to make this very clear. Um, I know situations. <laughs> Agreed, Mary Ellen. Um, I know situations. I want you to listen to this carefully, okay? Where a woman is with a guy, married to a guy, whatever, they have kids. Neither of them are saved. And then the woman gets saved. And the husband's not yet saved. And so now it's like, okay, what do I do? My husband's not saved. Um, the Bible actually gives instruction about that. The Bible gives a lot of instruction about that. The Bible talks about, you know, in the case of an unbelieving spouse and all that kind of thing. I'm not going to um, address that today because I know situations about that. You know, um, you were already with the person before you were saved and then you got saved. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, uh, touch on that because that's like a whole other, um, that's a whole other subject. And the Bible gives a lot of um, commands and instructions about that. So if that's your situation, the Bible does address that. So, so don't think to yourself, man, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I, I was already with this guy and I wasn't, you know, neither of us were saved. Now I got saved. He's not saved yet. You know, am I, am I doing the wrong thing? The Bible addresses that. Um, but I want to focus on tonight, um, a scripture in second Corinthians, because what's important here is, um, hi Franca, what's important here is understanding as a Christian, 
if you are thinking to yourself, okay, you know, I feel like it's time. I, I want to settle down. I want to, I want to get into a relationship. There is, um, the, I would say the most important thing and the number one thing that you need to do and you need to, to, to make sure about that other person, are they saved? And not just are they saved and are they in Christ? But let, let me get let me get to 2 Corinthians before, before I, I, I continue on that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Listen, turn to another scripture for a second before I address that. Turn to uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18. Listen. I have told you, for, for as I have often told you, and now even say with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Let me explain something to you. The I don't care how nice they are. Oh, they're, you know, they're really nice. They're kind. They respect the fact. Do, it doesn't matter. Listen carefully to me. These, they are, if you're not in Christ, you are an enemy of Christ. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how much they give to the poor and they do good deeds. And well, they're nicer than that guy that I saw at church. Let me tell you something. And I'm going to address that. And I know this is not, it's not an easy topic because everyone gets, well, you know, everyone makes excuses for their situation. And I, I, and I set the stage for this. I'm just telling you what the word says. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to tell you what the word says. The people of this world, their mind is on earthly things. As for us though, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what separates us. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? You might have earthly things in common, but we're not people of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're citizens of heaven. Oh, uh, you know, we have a, we have a lot in common, you know. You know, he's really like, you know, I, I, like let's say you're a single mom. And you're like, you're looking for, for someone to come and be a dad for your kids. And you find this guy, you know, he's not a Christian, but you know, he's really nice to my kids. He treats me really well. Well, great. That's, that's lovely. But you, what do you have in common with him? Because if you're a citizen of heaven, then really you have nothing in common with him. And that's just how it is. And if you're, if you're a person that you've been serving the Lord your whole life, um, you know, you, you, you've been a Christian your whole life and you come to your twenties and it's like, well, you know, it's time to start looking and you settle down with someone who's not saved. I question where your salvation is at. Why are you attracting that kind of person? What kind of person are you that you're attracting this type of person into your life? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. 
Because anything that you might have in common will be burned up on this earth when, when the earth is burned and Jesus comes back in, in the splendor of his glory. There'll be nothing that you have in common. You want to know why? Because they'll be in hell and you don't want to join them there. It's no joke. You don't play games with this part of your life. Solomon, Solomon was the wisest person in the world and not even he could, could save himself from being led astray by pagan women who were not serving the Lord. Well, you know, he doesn't mind that I go to church. Well, wait till you get married. Just wait. Just wait. I've seen it a million times. In fact, out of all, I, you know that there's, I know of one situation, literally one, where uh, uh, the girl was saved, she met an unsaved guy, um, uh, brought, brought, um, no, I know Pina, but what I'm trying to say is, 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 okay, what I'm trying to say is, you know, the scripture saying, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? I'm talking about on this earth. So really what you think you might have in common with them is really worthless. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, I knew of one person, the girl, the girl was saved. She brought the guy to church. Um, and he ended up getting saved and they had kids. They're still together. That's a great story. That's one out of a million of the rest that go wrong. That either the girl stops coming to church and you never see it, see her again, or they do get married and they end up divorced. And I'm, listen, again, I, I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind. Um, but you, I, I'm sure that there are women or, or I, I know it kind of always seems to be the woman, but that, that ends up being the case a lot of the time. And I'm sure it could be reversed, but I'm sure there are people who would be able to come on here and warn you and say, don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, exactly. Like my aunt said, I'd like to tell you that you have a good shot. I'd like to tell you that if you start dating someone and you bring them to church, they'll get saved and, and you'll be live together happy forever. I, that would be great. That would be great. But what are you showing? Let me ask you this. What are you showing the person? If you're a Christian and you're dating an unsaved person, what are you showing them exactly? What, what are you showing them? What are you letting them know that's important to you? Is Christ number one or is he not? Because if you link your life together willingly with someone who's not saved, when you know better, you're telling them you're more important to me than God is. God, yeah, he matters, but not as much as, as you because you're cute and you know, you have nice, uh, you have nice abs and stuff, you know, and you drive a cool car. Yeah, you're, you're more, yeah, that's what you're telling them. I'm going to tell you, you know what it says? Um, do not be yoked together. Let me tell you what, it, what a, I'm going to read you a little definition here um, about a yoke. A yoke is a wooden cross piece fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to a plow or a cart. A yoke allows two animals to share a load and pull together. They need to be close in weight and size in order to plow evenly. Two unequally yoked animals would end up fighting each other and the yoke. And ultimately, one, you know, you, it, it just, it doesn't work. It's a constant clash. And so 
what will end up happening 99% of the time is that the person who's supposedly a believer ends up leaving. And again, I understand. I just told you that I literally know someone, a friend of mine, that it worked out well for her. So I'm not, I, you know, I'm not trying to say, because well, again, you're, you're going <laughs> to, I suppose there's always exceptions, but it's not worth the risk. Why take that risk? If Christ is number one in your life, why even entertain? Why even entertain? So I'm going to, I have two, two, um, points for this section that I'm on right now. Number one, are you pulling in the same direction? Are you pulling in the same direction? Because what we read it out of Philippians is that people who are not believers are enemies of Christ. Their eyes are set on earthly things. Our minds are set on heaven. Our minds are set on eternity. An unsaved person, they have no concept of that. And so let's say you do end up with the person, and he's a nice guy, and he comes to church. Is he going to pray when you have kids? Is he going to pray with your kids? Is he going to sit with you and open the scripture? The man is the priest of the home. Listen, and I guess I'm talking to the the women. I am a woman, so I, I guess I'm talking to you more here. But it goes both ways. But be careful, the man that you decide to take into your home, because the Bible is clear that the man is the head of the home and the priest of the home, and everything comes out of him. And so, you know, and that's why it, it, the, the, the woman and, and the kids, they'll follow the direction the guy's going, and it's hard. It's very hard when your husband is just not, is completely opposite. In your understanding of the scripture, he doesn't even have any concept of it. Are you pulling in the same direction? I know, I know what you're going to say. Well, um, you know, I, 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 there's nobody here. There's nobody, there's nobody good enough for me. Well, let me ask you this. For all of you who say... Um, you know, there's no good guys here. There's no good girls in this church. What do I do? Um, you know, I can't find anybody here. I'm going to ask you this question. Are you one of the good ones? Would you consider yourself one of the good ones? Here, here's a good thought. Ask yourself this question. Is my life pleasing to the Lord? That's the first thing that you should think about before you bring someone else on board with you. I'm not saying that you have to be a, 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 a perfect person. The, the Bible says that we are being perfected. But is your life pleasing to the Lord? No, it's, 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 a, it's a reflection. It's a self-reflection of saying, okay, am I, am I the kind of person that, that I would be looking for? Am I, the, am, I live, am I conducting my life and myself? Because you're always projecting onto other people. Well, he, he has this wrong with him, and he has this wrong with him, and he has this wrong with him. You know how it is. It's very easy to criticize other people. You know, I remember. Um, yeah, that's a good question, John. <laughs> that's a good question. You know, because that's why I call this am I marriage material. Are you somebody whose life is pleasing to God? Are you somebody who's living in such a way? And, 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 and the kind of person that, that when someone looks at you, they're like, man, that one is a catch. They are, they, they're, they're great. 
Is that what people are saying of you? When I was uh, dating my husband, uh, we got engaged. And so w what happened is that um, you do like premarital like counseling classes. We do that here um, at our church as well. That's kind of just kind of the norm. That once you're engaged, you start doing um, like just premarital counseling and you get, you know, you can get pretty deep into subjects. And I remember, um, <laughs> now I, I was young. Um, Well, well, anyways, that's a, that's a different subject, Pina. But uh, Steph, you're a good guy. Don't worry. Um, and I remember, I I would say, I would always like be like, um, you know, he's really immature, and he needs to grow up. That's what I would say about him. You want to know what's funny? I was really immature too, but I didn't really recognize that in myself. I was always quick. To, to let him know, hey, you're not, you know, you need to learn how to be a man and you need to grow up. And we would argue about that. And I would say um, um, that he's really immature. I was extremely immature as well. I just thought I wasn't. <laughs> but then I found out I was. And then I realized something very important when you're talking about coming into a relationship with another person. Who are you? What, what kind of person are you? Are you, is your life set up in a way that you're going to be able to take someone with you? Are you, is your life set up in a way that's like, okay, I, I know that I'm going to be the best person that I could be for, for this other person that I take into my relationship. Ask yourself that question first, before you start criticizing how there's no good people here. And oh, I, cause you asked out one guy and he rejected you. So now there's no more good guys. Listen. I'm going to say this, if you make it a point to say, I want to be the best person I could be. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. That before I even come into a relationship with someone else, that I'm at my very best, that I know that I'm allowing God to use me. My life is not in a holding pattern until I manage to find a spouse. But rather, I'm living out my God-ordained life. I'm living out what the Word of God says for my life. I'm living out God's will for my life. And you'll notice that when you start doing that, the right people are going to come alongside you. Because as soon as you start to get out of the will of God, the wrong people are going to come alongside you. That's how the devil does it. To get you off the path. But if, you're, if your life is fully aligned with the word of God, because I've seen it a million times, everyone's waiting to find someone. It's like, well, you know, it's like their life can't get started until they found someone. How about you make a decision, you say, I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be everything that, that I could be in Christ. You know, because at the end of the day, when you, like Pina mentioned it before, that, that at the end of this all, we won't be, you're not going to be standing there with your spouse. You're not going to be standing there with another person. It's you and God that you're going to have an, make an account to God for everything that you did on this earth. So I would advise you while you're, instead of obsessing over who you're going to marry and I can't find someone and there's no one good and I'm lonely and I'm this and I'm that. Get yourself aligned with the word of God and the will of God. Get your life right with God. Make sure that you're exactly where you need to be. And then you're going to see um, that people are going to come alongside you. Sheba, that's a subject for another day. But I, I could certainly address that. I like that, Lauren. 
Um, I, I, that's cool. I'm going to read it. She said, run the race. And while you're running, look and see who's running next to you. I love that. You want to know why? You want to know why I like that? Because that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That when you're running your race, there are going to be people that you're going to see come alongside you. You know where I met my husband? You know what? You know where? In Bible school. Do you know what would have happened if I didn't go to Bible school? I never would have met him. I don't know who I would have met along the way. I don't know who I'd be with right now or if I'd be with anyone right now. But I was running my race. We were pulling in the same direction and he, he was there. You know. Um, that Yeah, I want to read what John said. He said, a question everyone should ask themselves, what do I have to offer a significant other? Um, well, Sheba, this is a talk about marriage. So if you're someone who doesn't want to get married or feels they're uh, called to be celibate, that's obviously a different subject. And that's, that's, you know what? I would have no problem doing a broadcast about that. Actually, I'm kind of, as I'm talking, I'm having more ideas of, of other, uh, uh, other places I'd like to go with this. So absolutely. So if you're watching this and you're like, well, what about me? Don't worry, we'll get to you. Not tonight because I want to make sure I cover everything that I have in my notes for this. Um, but th there's a lot of important subjects. Uh, um, there's a lot of important scripture on all of these subjects. Right? I, I, I like what John said. What do I have to offer? Who, who, what kind of person are you? So when I, when I posed the question, I said, um, are we married? Am I marriage material? You know, my aunt ma ma made a good point. It's like we, we, we'll trust God with everything. But then when it comes to finding a spouse or something, it's like all of a sudden we feel we have to take matters into our own hands. And when that happens, we often end up with the wrong person. And I'm, now let me make it clear. I'm not saying to not, you know, approach someone or if you're interested in someone, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is rather than, than waiting for, for the right partner, you go out and just grab anybody or someone who's not saved. That's what I'm trying to say. Obviously, it's a good idea to not play games. And actually, if you're interested in someone, you, you could, you know, put it out there. Because um, there's nothing worse than, than playing games, especially in church. It could be really awkward. So again, let's take the obsession. And I know you're going to be saying to yourself, well, that's easy for you to say. You got married at 23, I'm like 35 and single. Listen, I don't pretend to understand what that feels like. I'm not trying to say that, that, that I know what you're going through. I'm telling you the truth from the word of God. I'm explaining to you what we, you know, when Paul says, you know, I've run the race, you know, pressing on towards the goal. He, he wasn't, he's not talking about marriage. Keep, keep watch over your life. Make sure that your life is going in the right direction. And then you'll find someone else who's going in your direction. If you're just sitting there thinking to yourself, um, you know, I can't find anybody and you know, there's nobody good here. Listen, if you make that an obsession, you're not going to be happy. Right. And again, I don't, I don't pretend to know what everybody's situation is. Everybody has a different situation. I, I really, I would encourage you guys with this. Um, you know, everyone's going to have like, what about me? What about me? What about me? 
I, I, I can't necessarily address everybody's individual situation. That's why I, w- I would encourage you, go to the Word of God, then you'll find out what to do because the Bible is a book of instruction. It'll let you know what to do. So are you pulling in the right direction? The second quality, if these are qualities, I'm kind of all over the map, but let's just say qualities that you should be looking for, but that you should also have in yourself. This one is important. Are they hard working? And you're going to think, well, that's odd. Where did that come from? Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this little piece of advice as, as I do this marriage talk. You're, 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 you know someone, you meet someone. Do they have a job? Do they work hard? And not even just do they have a job. Do they work hard at their job? One of the things, I know I always compliment my husband because he's a great guy. But one of the things I love most about him is he works hard. He works long hours. If there's overtime available for him to work, he works because he knows that, that, that he'll, he'll be earning more money to be able to provide and, and, and you know, make a, a, build a good life for us. That's, it's, it's extremely important. You know, um, it's not about that you have to have like some kind of super glamorous job. Are you hard working? The Bible's clear. And it's kind of, it's almost a bit harsh that that if if someone doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel, worse than someone who isn't even in the faith. It's extremely important. And so therefore, not only should you be looking for someone who works hard, you know, let's say, let's say, um, uh, uh, you have a friend and the friend is dating someone you're like oh so what what does he do and she's like well you know he's in between things right now um you know uh, uh, like he's not really sure um you know what he want and as soon as i hear stuff like that to me it's a bit of a red flag now Again, let me make it clear. If he's 21 and he's still in school, that's not what I'm talking about. But when you have someone in their 30s who's still, he's between things right now. He's bouncing around right now. Listen, let me tell you something. You, it, it is extremely important, according to the scripture, that a man provides for his family. And that even if you're a man or a woman. What about you? Are you a hardworking person? Are you the kind of person that's going to be, um, um, you know, a real housewife of uh, of Montreal that all you want to do is sit home and get your nails done? Or are you a hard work women? You know, read Proverbs thirty one. Women work hard too. <laughs> I agree, Sheba. And again, I want to make this clear. I don't know everybody's individual situation. There could be things that have happened that I'm, again, I'm not. Saying, I know you're going to be like, well, no, but you don't understand this happened. I'm telling you as a rule in terms of what the scripture says. Okay. Are you, are you hardworking? Are they hardworking? When you meet someone and, um, you know, they, 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 
they have like just some they work at a store or something like that or they work at like you know a coffee shop and they have like no ambition and they have no goals and they have no anything just keep an eye on that but you should the same thing for yourself what are your goals what are the things that you're believe what are the things that god's put in your spirit to do right what, what are the things that 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 god's leading you to do whether you're a man or a woman so these are qualities that need to be in you and in your spouse hard-working people hard-working people pina i'm not pina listen to what i'm saying listen to what i'm saying <laughs> of course you could pay attention to your looks and work hard that's not what i'm saying listen to what i'm saying listen 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 um i hope i'm being clear am i not being clear because if i'm not being clear i will clarify myself better um but you, you you know again and that's why i'm saying as a person if you're if you're single right now and you haven't met anyone what what's where's your path where are you headed where are you going where is god leading you to go what are the goals that god has for your life right thank you just want to make sure because I don't want I don't like to, to ever leave these broadcasts and and people are confused about what I was trying to get across hard work is an important quality the Bible warns against idleness the Bible warns against laziness those are two things that you don't want in the spouse and you certainly don't want in yourself don't be that person don't be a lazy person don't be a, an idle person don't be a person that cares more about uh, like someone mentioned earlier about about self just making sure they're happy and their self is happy now we can get into a whole other discussion about working roles and 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 the system of the world etc but that's another subject for another day hard work putting everything you have into whatever you're doing like the Bible says, you're not working unto men, but you're working for the Lord. What you're doing, how, are you serving in church? Mm. Are you serving in church? Are they serving in church? You meet someone. Oh, he comes to church. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Oh, yeah, well, what, is he, what is he serving in? Well, you know, he just, he likes to be in the service because, you know, he wants to make sure to, to, to hear the word. Are, <laughs> are you living in service to Christ? And, and what are you doing? Same thing. That's why I'm telling you, this is a lot of looking on the inside and saying, okay, I want this, 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 this. Do you fit the criteria? Do you live up to that standard that you're holding other people to? Or you're just holding other people to the standard, but you yourself are not doing it. Very important. And I want to point this out too. Just because someone goes to church, just because someone goes to church, it doesn't mean that you guys are aligned in your beliefs and in your doctrine just because someone goes to church it doesn't even guarantee they're saved just because they're in church you have to get to know what are some non-negotiables what are some non-negotiables i'll tell you some of mine what are some non-negotiables um i tithe you have to tithe you don't want to tithe you don't have to but i do um divine healing they have to believe in divine healing um the 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 holy spirit the, the baptism of the, of the holy spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues you better believe that believe that women can be ministers that one's pretty important to me <laughs> right because you could be 
Um, you can say, wow, they're really nice. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you're having this conversation and, and the person's like, well, you know, I don't, I actually don't believe that God still heals today. Okay. Peace out. I'm out. It's too important. It's too crucial. And if you're going to think to yourself, that doesn't matter. Well, let me know in a few years when your kid is sick and you want to pray and anoint them with oil and your spouse is rushing them to the emergency room. There are certain things that should be non-negotiable because simply, especially now, um, or even stuff like, um, uh, marriage is it between a man or a woman? Who's it, who's it between abortion, uh, transgender children, all kinds. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. So don't, don't, you, you have to learn how to ask hard questions because you have to be aligned in your beliefs because you're going to be in big trouble down the line. If you're with someone and you realize, okay, they don't even believe in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, COVID, you know, COVID, someone brought up COVID. I, I would say, do you think churches are essential? Do you think the church should have been closed? That's important. You don't want to be fighting over these. There's a marriage. All my married people, you know, marriage is not, you know, your two lives that are blending together. It's not always, it's fun. It's great. It's not always easy though, especially if you have strong uh, 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 personalities and all of that. It's not always easy, um, you know, to, to, to coexist together, right? That's, that's not always the easiest thing. You don't want now to have to not only argue about, you know, uh, uh, um, how they stack the dishwasher or, or, or uh, um, where you're going to go for Thanksgiving. You don't, you don't want to have to also be arguing. I don't want to go to revival week because I don't believe in all that Holy Spirit stuff. You got problems. It doesn't mean they're, that doesn't mean they're going to go to hell. But if you're going to align your life with someone, you have to be going in the same direction. It's not just a matter of, oh, they're saved, I'm good to go. There's so much more. Like my aunt said, does this person make God first in his or her life? Because there's a lot of Christians who don't. They're Christians. I'm not saying they're not going to go to, they're not going to go to heaven. You know, that's a good one too, Lord. But what's their priority? And you'll see their priority. Here's a good example. You get married, you have kids. The kid wants to play, uh, um, exactly, Steph, that's also important. Uh, the kid wants to play baseball. I don't know anybody that plays baseball, so that's why I use baseball. And uh, the games are always on Sunday morning. What do you do? What happens? Your, your husband really wants your son to be in baseball. He's talented. He could go all the way. But it means he's never going to be in church on Sunday. Doesn't mean your husband's not a Christian. But his priority is different than yours. Be very careful. I've said this many times. Being in church, seeing your parents model that the most important thing is to be in church on Sunday morning. More important than sports. Uh, more important than, than cheerleading practice. I don't know any cheerleaders either. Uh, more important than all that stuff. It matters. And again, if you're a person that your kid's in baseball, I'm not, 
I always do these disclaimers because I mean, you know the way that I am. I love you guys. I love, I love that you're here watching. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm, I'm, I'm instructing you from the word because this is important stuff. This is your life we're talking about and potentially the life of your kids if you have them. So these things matter. So just because someone sits ne next to you in church, make sure you're aligned in your doctrine, in your beliefs, in your understanding of the Bible. Well, I, I think I'm right as well, but I just, I, I, like I said, I love everybody. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to make like people feel bad or, or whatever, but I also cannot not say the truth. So I hope that you see my heart. Um, agreed, Sheba, probably not. Thanks, Pina. Um, the last thing I want to get to tonight, because there are certain qualities and these are qualities that not only should you be looking for in, 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 a, in a spouse, but that you have in yourself. And I'm going to read a list. Now, you're going to probably say, well, he's talking about deacons and stuff, and I'm not a deacon. Just, just bear with me. Bear with me, okay? You're going to like this. Don't worry. Let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. Now... Uh, let me start verse 1. Here's a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Let's go, move on to verse 8. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of faith with a clear conscience. Skip to verse 11. In the same way, their wives are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Why did I read that? Why did I read that? You're going to say, oh, I'm not a deacon. I'm not trying to be a deacon. This is a standard of living that is given to overseers or, or bishops in, in another translation and deacons, which are leaders of the church. And you're going to say, I'm not a leader of the church. It doesn't matter. If this is a standard of living that Paul is laying out, shouldn't it be something that we pay very close attention to? I'm going to read out these qualities. Honest. Not double-tongued. In other words, not saying, you know, you say one thing to one person and then you say something else to another person. So not double-tongued. Blameless in, in conduct. Not drinkers of wine. Self-controlled. Prudent. Hospitable. Capable of being taught. Not greedy or using dishonest methods to gain money. Gentle. Peaceable. They must have faith. Flee, uh, be free from evil. Not having any pride sober, no slander, which is false, false accusation. So these are the, the deacons and their wives or uh, uh, deaconesses, which would be a, a female deacon. Yes, they did exist and still do. These are, these are qualities, right? So, so I'm, I know I always kind of keep going back to this. Sober-minded. Is your, is your boyfriend, does he have a picture of himself drinking a beer on his Instagram uh, profile picture? Run. Oh, but you know, you're not going to go to hell if you drink a beer. Do, 
there is a standard of living that is outlined in the word of God, decent, honest, self-controlled, sober, not greedy. These are, these are a, 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 a standard of living. And if you think this is, oh, well, look, I'm, again, I'm not a bishop. I'm not a deacon. These things don't apply to me. Mm, turn to Titus chapter 2. Listen to this. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. Um, agreed, uh, Sheba. You must teach what, what is in accord with sound doctrine. Listen to this. These are, listen. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not be slanderers or addicted to wine, but to teach what is good. Do you, are you hearing this? These aren't deacons anymore. These are just people. These are just Christians. Similarly, Verse 6, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set a good example by doing what is good in your teaching. Show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech. I miss, sorry, go back up to verse 4. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands, be self-controlled, be pure, be busy at home, be kind, be subject to their husbands. These are commands given to everybody. Everybody. It's always the same thing. Honesty. Uh, not slanderers. Not wine drinkers. Having integrity. Listen to verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation to all men, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives while in this present age, now, right now, blameless, godly lives. You know, there's no, there's no good men. There's no good men out there while I'm sipping on my third glass of wine. Well... This is water. You know, be that, start with you. Start with you. Yeah, there should be a high standard for the person that you're going to marry. But keep that same high standard for yourself. Verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Lord Jesus, who gave himself, who gave himself, for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify him. Purify to himself a people for his very own, eager to do what is good. Are we living pure lives? That's who we're meant to be. You want to be marriage material? Be that person who lives pure, holy, honest, decent lives. Verse 15, these then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you, which is exactly what I'm doing now. Encourage and rebuke. Live holy. Live pure lives. Sober-minded, sincere, not corrupt, not greedy, not prideful. 
These are all the qualities that we are to live. And again, you're already thinking, wow, that, that's, that's a tall task. That's hard to live up to. You're not doing it on your own. When you're in Christ, you become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Like it said that God, Christ gave up himself to purify us. It's, it's the act of sanctification now. Now we're justified by faith. And now after that justification comes sanctification. Being made holy. Being made pure. Not on your own strength. You'll never get it on your own strength. That's why if, if you find someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Strengthened in the Spirit. Submitted to the Spirit. That's going to be the right person. And make sure that's you. You be that person. You be the one. It starts with you. And then you're going to see who you're going to start meeting. And different kind of people are going to start to be attracted to you. Spiritual people. If all you could attract are losers. Yeah. People drop off the broadcast. That's fine. You don't have to you don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. It's fine. I'm glad for you who stuck around. You know, it's just you you know, like like attracts light. Like spirits attract each other. And um, you know what's interesting? Um, when a few years ago, when I when I kind of like completely turned, changed my life around, I started meeting a lot of different people. Um, a lot of which are watching today that I never would have, never would have known before. Why? But we have like spirits. We're all people that are, are on the same path, going in the same direction. That's why we get along. That's why you're here listening to me tonight. Because there's, there's a strong spirit on the inside of you. You recognize that. You know. Well, Ro, someone has to do it. Because honestly, you know what? You know what it is? And like I said, I don't ever, I, I, I would hate, um, like if someone feels like bad or whatever. Like I don't want to, I'm not trying to make people feel bad. But you realize these things are too important to play around with. Your life is so valuable. You, you, you know, if you're in Christ, you're God's workmanship. You know, you're so valuable. You're so valuable to God. Don't throw your life away on anything that's not worth it. Don't throw your life away on a person that's not worth it. And again, you're going to say, well, it's easy for you to say you're already married. I know I am. There's nothing I could do about that. I can't change that. Not going to change it. I understand. I understand you might be in a different place. But I'm telling you. It's just not worth it. Being married is cool. But it's not worth being married to the wrong person. It's just not. And I think I'm going to. I'm not sure. Not 100% for next week. But I think I'd like to continue on. On this subject matter. Um, particularly regarding um, like what I mentioned earlier about if you mar if you're married to an unbeliever, um, 
if like you got saved after you got married um or if you feel that you should be single and paul talks about it um because these are these are important subjects life, life is a is a long time well sheba you brought sheba brought it up you know my i've been through a lot of stuff i've been i've only been married 17 years but i've been through a lot of stuff you would be shocked and i'm still here still standing better than ever why because of the grace of god because of the spirit that's why Fav Karm, you said it. Better to be single than marrying the wrong person. You probably, you probably think that's a crazy statement. Your life is too precious. You're too precious to God to even potentially throw it away. You're too precious to God. And that's why I made sure to address tonight that it's more than just that he goes to church or that he might have said the salvation prayer 20 years ago. It matters that you guys... Are, are, are going in the same direction you believe the same things you're not going to have any conflict in your marriage you want to tithe and he doesn't you know the church uh, the church is open when the government says to close it she won't go no i'm not going and i'm not taking the kids you're on your own you don't want that you don't want it and there's grace i want to make it clear if you're already married and you've been married and there, these kind of conflicts come in. There's grace for that. God is a God of restoration. I believe with you for any kind of uh, situations that might arise. God has a lot of grace. Just want to make it clear that you don't have to think, oh man, well, I'm, I'm already married and yeah, we're both saved, but he didn't agree with this. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'll believe with you for the spirit to change his heart because you won't be able to. By nagging your husband, you won't be able to change him. In fact, he'll probably double down on whatever he's doing that annoys you. <laughs> so don't be a nag. Like the Bible says, it's better to be alone on the top of a roof or something. Wait, than with a nagging wife. Something to that effect. <laughs> so don't be that person. Um, yeah, Sheba, exactly it. That, that's when it's a Thank you. I, I love that you guys understand completely what I'm trying to say. Um, it's about, if you, like I said, if you're already in the situation, but this is about, you haven't, you're not married yet. Make sure that you're the best person you could be and that there's, a, and don't settle. And when I say don't settle, <laughs> I don't mean, um, you know, because they don't have the right haircut. So, you know, I really wanted someone with blonde hair, um, but he has got brown hair, so like I don't think it's gonna work out. You know, you don't even you don't even realize. I, I thought I knew what I wanted. I was sure that um, I was at one point in my life I was sure I was gonna marry an Italian guy like all the guys I grew up with. I did not, um, you know, or he had to look a certain way or, you know. Anyways, wow. People, you can tell that you can tell when the subject matter is is not everyone wants to hear it because the, the numbers drop off. But hey, that's fine. You guys have stuck around. I pray you were blessed. Uh, I'm gonna pray a prayer. Uh, give people an opportunity to get saved before we go. Um, amen. I like what my aunt said. Con concentrate on being the best person God wants you to be, and the rest will fall into place. I believe that's true. I believe that true. I agree, Pina. That's the thing. You could think, oh, you're going to have a full head of hair and then, you know, he ends up losing all his hair and then what? 
John, no offense. Um, but you realize, and, and it's also a maturity thing, when you realize what's really valuable about people. Um, and again, I know you, you need to be, there needs to be attraction there. I'm not saying that, that you're going to marry someone that you think is ugly. That's not what I'm trying to say. But you do realize what's value and what's not value. This could really get off the rails. So I'm going to close because uh, I got a, a great game to play. Um, but I want to give people a chance to be saved, you know, and I'm talking about, um, obviously we talked a lot about salvation and, and being the best person that you can be in Christ. The first thing you need to do though, before you even get started on anything is to come into relationship with God that before any other relationship, that's the primary, most important relationship is relationship with God. Um, you know, in the garden of Eden, when, when God threw out Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were still together. But guess what they lost? They lost that close, intimate relationship with God because that is the most important thing. And thanks to Christ, He reconciles us back to God. Reconciles all that was lost. So if you've never been saved, pray this prayer out loud out of your mouth. Why out loud? Because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the words have to come out of your mouth. So pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. I confess of all my sin and wrongdoing. I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Thank you, Father, that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen.